I like Chips Ahoy. Yeah, I mean, that's um, like um, Pringles. Like, you, uh, you put down a sleeve yeah, of Pringles, not even thinking about it, right? Oof. There is something about Pringles in the hotel minibar. Oh. There's no other place in the world that I want See, to. By the way, the only place I eat You don't them. eat them one at a time. You don't have to them. eat them, like, stacked. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, three yeah you at can't time, eat one five. at a time. I, yeah, I can yeah. eat one at a time, but no. why? Only in a hotel. It's because they're there, and they're like $9, so that's appealing. It tastes better. It totally spreads. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Human Element, Kara's podcast focused on finding ways to inject humanity and insight into modern marketing. I'm incredibly excited. I've got Michael Epstein, who is our chief executive officer, and Angela Steele, who returns. So you've joined the second time club here, uh, who is our chief strategy officer. Thanks so much for joining me. How come this is my first one? Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were up and running. We had the kinks worked out. It's a lot of crap. <laughs> yes, yes, like much of what I say. <laughs> so let's jump in. I want to start with kind of 2018. If you had to sort of finish this sentence, how would you finish it? 2018 was the year of the what in our industry. I actually think it's the year of transformation for two reasons. There's been a lot of conversation around diversity and inclusion, the second reason I would say that is we've had a lot of conversations and there's been a lot of dialogue in the press around the changing relationship between agencies and clients mm. as we have a lot of clients that look to take some of what we have historically done in-house and how we work with them as they do that. I would say it's the year of the human. The year prior was the year of the data. We started to realize that all this data was pretty useless if we couldn't make it matter to human beings. And I think that was the most stark shift I see between January and now, and it really seemed to happen mid-year. And if you look at Adweek as an example that was later in the year, the whole thing was about returning back to human beings and purpose-driven marketing. And I think we've made this huge shift from left brain to right brain. And I think 2019 will be about bringing back the creativity. Not to get ahead of your list. I was going to say, you've thrown off my whole thing, but that was great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) If you were sort of to say, you know, what surprised you the most about this year? Was there something in particular where you're like, oof, I didn't anticipate that? The only thing, it wasn't really a surprise, but I did expect that the walled gardens would start to get their stuff together in terms of their ability to protect data. And that's just been a continuous downward spiral that I did not expect. With their size and scale and the resources and money they have, I thought they would be able to start to make progress. And I don't think that happened yet. It's remarkable. And I again, I, they are amazing organizations and significant brands and blah, blah, blah. Accolade, accolade. Surprisingly, shockingly tone deaf on this issue. Yes. Tone deaf and possibly even incapable as well. I think mm. we expect too much from technology and algorithms and AI, and I think it's a combination of they need to be more receptive to what the concerns are. They need to have people in place who are making better decisions and then allow the technology to address uh, that. I'm not one to defend them. I was going to say, this is not uh, that's uh, not your role usually, yeah. so this should be interesting. It's hard. <laughs> it's, they have a hard job. Yeah, I, they do. And I think it depends on which one of them you're talking about. The disappointing thing to me is not necessarily the safeguarding of data, which should just be sort of table stakes, so to speak. It's actually that they just haven't sorted the measurement issues and working with us for our clients. Mm. That's the bigger disappointment for me and something we're going to try to address as we move into 2019. But if you think about 
it's just like the Olympics, and I've you know anybody who's spent any time with me have has heard this analogy. The dopers are always ahead of the anti-dopers, and the people creating fraud and trying to penetrate the fortress are always ahead of the people trying to protect it. So they went out, they spent tons of money on anti-fraud bots, and then they realized they needed 20,000 people to monitor the bots because the fraud bots are outsmarting the anti-fraud bots, which is, by the way, a good thing for human beings because it just goes to show we're actually smarter (laughs) than machines, so to speak. Yeah, we always will be. But I think some of their public statements are bad, but it's a hard job, right? I mean, the government gets hacked from time to time. Marriott just got hacked. I mean, it's it's not an easy job. I think they just need to not be a-holes about it. Yeah, well, it's proof that money spent on PR doesn't always help. Correct. Michael, you referenced as one of kind of the key things about 2018 uh, diversity inclusion topics. I think Microsoft is an amazing example of that. Do you mind sharing a little bit around the discussions you've had with them and the progress we've kind of tried to make mutually on that topic? Yeah, at a high level. And we'll be rolling some of this out to the agency as we're working on the business plan for 2019, which is just about finalized. But they came to us and said, we are not doing enough collectively to have our team, that team, look like the population of the Mm -hmm. U.S. And so we put some things in place as to how to do that. So how we recruit, who we work with, et cetera. They shared results with us. Kathleen O'Hall, who's the head of advertising, came in during Ad Week in October, and she was very proud of that accomplishment. She did a panel with Nick Bryan on that topic. But we are outpacing now the industry, both from a creative agency but media agency perspective as a team, and we're going to do that for the agency Broadly, it's not easy, by the way. We have some challenges on how to do that. The industry in its own right is probably not as diverse as it could be. There are some things as, at the agency level that we're pretty proud of. The, the gender split is actually leading the group and I think is out ahead of the industry. But we, we put in, as I said, a framework as to how we were going to go about doing that. It's paying dividends. Yeah, it is difficult, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are functions and roles where some of these topics are incredibly difficult to, to drive toward. Angela, from from your perspective, and I know you've spent a lot of time kind of thinking about this, what is the, and I hate these words, it's hideously cliche, but I apologize, um, what is the media agency of the future or the construct of that role's responsibilities in that? What what does that look like? What How has that changed or how is it changing? A couple of things. I think we... We start to see more specialty capabilities, but coming together. So, for example, we're seeing more audience science in addition to our traditional insights type of skill set. We are seeing more data science in addition to a typical analytics skill set. We're seeing the role of strategy evolve to be more from communication strategy to full-on marketing and business intelligence. So some of the roles are evolving, and then the makeup of the teams are also evolving to include some of those other roles that you wouldn't typically see in a media team coming to a client. Is there a connection point now or a deeper connection point or even a collision between what I would call traditional account planning in a creative shop and planning that happens in a, in a media agency? I would argue that the account planning function at a creative agency has not evolved very much over the last 20 years where the comms planner or strategist mm-hmm. that works in this agency has. So maybe a better way to say it is that if done well, the strategist or the or the comms planner or, for that matter, a media planner, having been a media planner, 
has potentially taken on some of the skill sets of an old account planner and is now applying it to things like content strategy, messaging strategy. And, and that's and sort of my strategy. point. I, my hideously inarticulate question yeah. is basically you that. You should edit him out for this one. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I would argue, I'm not sure that clients that are typically used to dealing with an account planner are going to be comfortable dealing with somebody in Angela's team or one of our comps planner for some of those things. I think that's true, right? Because there's the sort of mystical magic I need to go to, you know, Gandalf and, and find out what's <laughs> actually touching, the, you know, the, the, the yeah. teenage mind. But I think it is something that requires the media conversation to be pulled further forward in, you know, in client conversations around how to attack, you know, yes. a comprehensive plan. Yes. And we we are starting to do that, and that is part of the evolution of what we do as strategy and insights is not just delivering insights around a particular audience, but taking a step back and going more upstream with the client and looking at what is their overall marketing opportunity. For example, with P&G and hair care, we didn't start with, okay, who are we going to market Pantene to? We took a step back and said, what does this landscape look like? You're being attacked on all fronts. There's this whole direct-to-consumer category that's coming in, stealing mm -hmm. your share. What can you do from a portfolio standpoint? How do you reposition some of your brands to combat that? And what do you need to do from a product development standpoint to be competitive in this space? So we're starting much more from a marketing strategy standpoint than where we used to start as insights and strategy, which was more around a specific target audience and how we have the most impact against them. That makes sense to me. How has specifically sort of the the job of insights or finding insights changed? I think it's changed in a couple of ways. First, we have the ability to reshape who the target audience is in the first place. Uh, and a great example of that is some recent work we had done on Microsoft where they briefed us. They And a lot of our big clients have these big segmentations that they've done. And then our role used to be we recreate those segments in our own tools. But we now have additional data to supplement what the clients have. And we're able to come back to them and say, we have other thoughts on your segmentation and there are other audiences we believe you should be talking to and we have data to prove it and we know these people are buying in your category or are interested in this product. So we're moving at a point where we're reshaping the segmentation and then building insights off of that. We used to do it off of survey data. Now we're building insights off of survey data and behavioral data. And that allows us to look at differences in what people say versus what people do. And those aren't always the same thing. So for example, I may say that I'm very health conscious, but then every time I go to LaGuardia, I eat a pizza. So there's a some slice discrepancies. Of pizza, not a whole pizza. No, a whole pizza. A whole pizza. Oh, all right. <laughs> Trying to help you out. <laughs> so there's obviously, you know that we're I aspire. We're going to go to CCTV on this, by You the know way. that I aspire to be healthy. However, there's something driving a bad decision at certain points in the day. So understanding that nuance would help understand a little bit more about me at a level that wasn't previously available without the behavioral data. So the moral to this story is don't go to LaGuardia. <laughs> yeah. The moral of the well, story ever. is eat more pizza. <laughs> eat more pizza. <laughs> I, I, I would add that now we're actually producing insights where in the past we've tended to produce observations. Mm. This person consumes media at this index. That's not really insights. We called it insights. It worked very well for us because that's really just an observation. Yep. Now, actually, to Angela's point, we're producing insights that lead to better strategies. We're understanding why people do what Correct. they do. Are clients positioned to, to act on this? 
Do they need structural change to take more advantage of it? I don't think they need structural change. The gap that has existed in being able to deliver on this new level of insight is having the right creative content to deliver. Mm. So we now know these more nuanced things about people and why they make decisions. We need to be able to message according to those nuances. And the one-size-fits-all creative approach doesn't, it's not effective. If we are going to have one-size-fits-all creative, we might as well not go through the work of understanding these people at a deeper level. So let's spend a minute on that just just for a second. What do we think, quote-unquote, automated creativity will or should look like? I think the automation part of it is simply for the delivery. You can't automate concepts. Yeah. I was at the forays in a session all day on Monday, and there was there was a significant amount, a surprising to me, amount of concern around this idea of creativity becoming automated in ways that I I found kind of surprising. I don't know. I feel like we have bigger because, things because to worry about. Because they're confusing ideas being automated with the output of the ideas being yeah. automated. That's why. Which yeah. is one of the fundamental issues we have in the business. If you just think of yourself Mm -hmm. as a consumer of brands messaging and you think of the crap that you get sent, it's because creative agencies, by and large, can't break the cycle of how they've been doing things Mm -hmm. for 50 years, right? And we don't then, as, as media agencies talking to brands, get the content we need to create meaningful experiences Mm -hmm. in what we would call the attention deficit economy to create value exchanges between a consumer and a brand. If you take a step back and you think about the advertising you get and the stuff that you don't mind, it's all because it's good advertising and it's somewhat personal to you. And you don't mind it. It's not disruptive. It's a utility. And I think creatives and creative agencies, they're confusing the idea, which is the important thing, versus the automation of producing it and sending it out. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, part of that is a revenue model, right? I mean, the reality is creative shops are poorly or not very well compensated for ideas, and they are largely compensated for execution. And as that execution changes in the way it gets delivered, revenue is threatened. And I think that creates a lot of problems. Last thing in this section, and then we'll we'll move on to 2019. We had a Cadillac client here last week, Ray, and he was amazing. And he and Shane have literally a beautiful relationship. Like it was amazing to kind of watch. I'd love both of you to share kind of your perspective on what makes a great agency-client relationship? I think one of the biggest things is transparency, but not in the sense that the industry uses the word transparency, but just being really honest and open with each other about what you're dealing with Mm. on the inside. Clients are much more understanding when they understand the nuances of what we're trying to manage behind our walls and vice versa. We have a lot more sympathy if we know, oh, we're going through this budgeting exercise and I just really need you to work with me. Understanding what each other is going through is a huge part of the relationship. Context. The context. Yeah. And being open about it helps both sides work together. And then I think the other thing is if the client is coming to us with business problems as opposed to just their media problems, and I see some of our clients like P&G doing that, where they will bring us in very early when they're making like product decisions, for example, or considering like a three-year plan. They're bringing us Mm. into those discussions. And that's important because we have a seat at the table that's much bigger than the next media campaign. You need to remember that they're people, right? And they're not all good. That's true. And there are some. There were a couple of clients that left us earlier this year. And if I could have, I would have taken them by the hand and walked them out the door. Just like you, they're a person. The second is 
it has to be about partnership. So understanding where they're coming from and the issues that they're dealing with. In many cases, we deal with clients who don't just deal with CARA. They're dealing with multiple other stakeholders. You have to lead them. Almost every good client relationship we have is about leading them, leading them from a product perspective. It's leading them from an industry perspective. It's being able to tell them no in the appropriate way that that's not what they should be doing. Almost every client relationship that goes sideways at some point whether it's right or wrong, can be traced back to the fact that you weren't leading mm. them because that's what they're paying us to do. It's, it's interesting. There's this, there's this raging debate that goes on about the fear of consultancies in coming to our space. Agencies, by their very nature, are consultancies. Typically, things that you're not doing internally, you go to a consultancy to do. So, But can, what consultancies do and do very well is lead. So I, to me, that's the most fundamental thing you can do. And then to... Angela's point, you just have to be transparent. If something goes wrong, it is always always better to be honest and upfront about it be first. than it isn't, right? It's just like when you were a kid, it was always better to tell your parents you didn't do the homework than to say that you did, and then they go to a parent-teacher conference and get told, yeah, Michael didn't turn in his homework, which is maybe a microcosm into my soul. I was going to say, is this yeah, a, would you want to share? Maybe personal experience. <laughs> but I, you know, that's the other thing. When, because they, they, are, they will be, no matter how generally speaking, egregious the mistake might be if you're honest with them about what happened and what you're going to do about it. And to prevent it, they're almost always going to be somewhat sympathetic. So I think that those are the foundations of a good relationship. Thank you both. Those are great answers. So let's jump into 19 real quick. Same question. 2019 will be the year of the... Rat? I don't know. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. I don't think. I I think it was rat I think that was this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think 2019 will be the year of the content. Mm-hmm. We've done a really great job of building up our sophistication around insights and our targeting and addressability. 2019 use needs to be about the emotional side of it and how we influence people. What we're really trying to do at the end of the day is get people to change their behaviors. And people make emotional decisions, and then they post-rationalize those decisions. So mm-hmm. we need to focus on content that has that emotional hook and has that impact. It's mm. a great answer. I think it will be the continuing evolution of the client-agency relationship in the sense that they are, I think there will be more pace behind what some clients want to take in-house and what they want to leave at the agency. And even if they're leaving at the at the agency, how they're going to work with the agency differently around that. I think the second thing is we're going to continue to potentially see some shifts back into traditional media, so to speak, quote-unquote, which is going to be really interesting to watch what happens in this year's upfront. Mm. That would be the second thing. And I, the continuing debate around transparency will also rage for the next 12 months. In a lot of contexts. In a lot of contexts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last one in this, and then we're going to do the lightning round, so get excited. I'd love to tell you that there are T-shirts, but they're not. Why do you love this business? I like dealing with clients. I'm a somewhat gregarious person for those that sit around my office or when I come for a visit. It's not like I just go and hide. So that's the first thing. It's a young business. If you if you look at Cara as an organization, it tends to be young, which is good because it keeps you young both in spirit but in thought, which is a good thing. And the third thing, and I tell this to people all the time, we get exposed to things that long before a lot of other people got exposed to, for good or for bad, I got exposed to Facebook and Google, Amazon to a lesser extent, 
Snapchat, all of those things. I sound old. All of those <laughs> things before anybody I knew outside of this business got exposed to. Yeah. So a lot of the technology platforms that are being worked on get applied to marketing before they almost go anywhere else. And that's a pretty vibrant thing to have going on in your daily life. Yeah. For me, I think one of the biggest things is that it's constantly, constantly changing. Mm. And you can't even predict. Like, none of us could write our job descriptions for three years from now because we don't know what we'll be dealing with. You have to be able to figure it out for yourself. But I think that's the thing I like. I could never be in a type of rule where it's the same thing every day and you're doing it the same way for 20 years. It's just... I think that's one of the most appealing things about our industry is the fact that if you're willing to dig in and problem solve and pave the way and have ideas, you just do it. And then this is going to sound so cliche, but it's true, the people and not just the day-to-day people, which I do love you all, um, but the types of people. Like what other industry can you find where people are super smart and also a lot of fun to be around? And we have creative and we have science and we have all of these different types of skills which bring all different types of personalities and that's what makes it the most fun is the diversity of the work that we do and the diversity of the people that we get to work with. I often tell people I have the least corporate America corporate America job to Angela's Mm. point. Take that banking. So uh, (laughs) let's jump into the lightning round. This is short answers to random questions. Have you met us? Short answers? Uh, It's all right. We're going to need to do one word. All right. Ready? Okay. Favorite digital experience, application, website? I spend an inordinate amount of time on CNN.com at the moment. For reasons that are clear. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other podcast. Uber. Yeah, it's just so useful. When it, I don't like Uber the people, but I sure do like the... The, the capability. The yeah, Wait, yeah. let's scratch that. Lyft. <laughs> <laughs> because GM invests in Lyft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice move. Uh, Thank that God she didn't say Apple. <laughs> we're, I tell you what, we're leaving that all in. Um, best piece of content that you've recently consumed? Book, movie, podcast, uh, anything? Microsoft's holiday ad. It's a holiday ad about... Um, really? Yeah, honestly. Okay. Of right. late, it All is right. the best piece of content okay. I've consumed, which also is a microcosm into my life. It's a fascinating thing. And and the fact that my 12-and-a-half-year-old son made comment to me about it, mm. about how cool it was, told his friends about it, and, I sent, a, and I sent a note to Kathleen Hall about it, who no, I got a lovely cool. note back. That's is, pretty cool. Yeah. You say recently consumed. I'm currently consuming the book Sapiens. Which I saw that. For anyone who hasn't read it, I'm only like on the first one-tenth of the book, but it is so fascinating because it helps you understand human beings and what's just baked into our mm. DNA and why we do the things that we do. For example, sorry, does he really want this to be? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's the lightning <laughs> round. This, Can I this, keep talking? Yeah, 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 please, go ahead. Um, but one of the things that's so <laughs> fascinating is one of the reasons why human beings have evolved beyond other species is because of our communication mm-hmm. capabilities. And one of the things inherent in our communication capabilities is gossip. And it's it exists for an evolutionary survival reason and that it helps us understand who we can trust. Mm. Um, and that's necessary for survival. So gossip is not all bad. Remind me to tell you a story about Angela later on. <laughs> Get it? See what I yeah, I know. No, I, I, I got it. By the way, um, Ozark, because you guilted me into like making me think I really was. Look in action. No, I, yeah. look, the Microsoft ad is fine. Uh, that's, that's great. It's, it's actually lovely. Watching that kid turn around. 
Ozark is good too. Um, favorite social platform? Not probably Instagram at the moment. WhatsApp. Best career advice you've either given or received? Work for a good boss. Given and received. Hmm. <laughs> and followed. <laughs> I was given this advice from a client once when I was interviewing for a job, and they were making me all sorts of promises about what the next job would be. And he said to me, Michael, want the job you're interviewing for because there's no guarantee you're going to get the other job. So you should be happy in the job that you have. If you're not, you it's should be doing true. something else. He also told me, don't be an asshole. Those advice. are two pretty good things. Yeah. Have uh, you followed both of those pieces of advice? I have followed the first. I'll leave it up to <laughs> yeah, other let people others to judge. decide on the second. <laughs> let others but seeing judge. as you said I'm a good boss, I'm assuming for the most part I'm not. Michael and Angela, I cannot thank you enough. You guys were fantastic. Thanks so much. You You. survived. If we did. We did. Please come back. We will. We will be happy. Happy holidays. To everybody out there, please make sure that you subscribe anywhere that you find your pods. You can find ours. And uh, we'll be back to you in a week. Thanks so much. 